Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Divinely You podcast. My name is Sarah Waggle. I'm your host. I am a leadership coach. I'm an author. I am a fitness and nutrition enthusiast. I'm an accessible tech hobbyist. And I'm an artist and a crafter, notably crochet. Um, and thanks for joining me for this episode. I really appreciate it. Um, really appreciate um, any feedback you guys can um, give me. You know, give me some stars on Apple Podcasts or um, rate on um, Spotify or Google Play, however it shows up for you. And uh, but thanks for just tuning in. I really appreciate all of the the downloads and the listens and the the all of that. And I really hope that you guys share this episode. I was prompted to do this episode actually last year and kind of put it off because it's gonna it's it's emotional to me and I didn't want to spend any of my podcast time just simply going off on an emotional topic. And, um, so I kind of put this off and then I literally just sat down and like put down like what I wanted to talk about with this. And, and, um, and then I, I got some input and feedback from, you know, other people and, uh, and that kind of thing. So we'll be adding some of their stuff in there too. But so what I'm going to talk about today is basically why the system is broken and why it needs to die. So, okay, so if you've been following me for a stretch, then, or if you know me in person, or you know me as a friend, um, you know that I study astrology and spirituality, and if you're in the world at all, you know that there's big things happening, and um, so what's one of the things that's happening is that our country as a whole is sort of going through a transformation, and this is happening on a really grand scale. The planets and the cosmos are also going through a transformation. Um, it's all like as above, so below. So whatever happens in the sky happens down here in some way, shape or form. Um, and so we're kind of seeing that as things are shifting. So you see like, you know, the stock markets have been crazy. You see like healthcare has been a little bit different. <laughs> um and things like that. And I want to just kind of like from my own perspective and the perspective of people that I asked, um, I want to share with you why I believe the system crashing and the system dying and the system transforming is good. I know it's different and I know you're like, oh shit. Um, but I'm going to kind of give you some light. So if you've never been a person or you've never known a person with a disability, you may not be familiar with how the supplemental security um, system works or how the state by state vocation rehabilitation system works. So if this is all new information, I'm going to do my best to describe to you how it works and give you a little bit of personal um, anecdotals, uh, you know, to, to give you a little perspective. So um, I've been a person with a disability my entire life. I was born blind, legally blind. Um, I do have usable vision, but for the for for legal purposes, I am legally blind. Um, and so, and I obviously therefore have a ton of friends who are blind or legally blind. 
And I know people who have various other disabilities of some capacity or another, including like things like fibromyalgia um, or, um, you know, mental illness, things like that. Um, So let me start with the federal Social Security Supplemental Security and Supplemental Security Disability Income. They are two different um, income levels. Social Security... SSI, Supplemental Security Income, is the lowest level. It's, um, I believe the rate is somewhere in the 700, 760, 775 per month payment. Um, when I was on it back in college, it was around four or 500 per month um, payment. And um, so it, that's what they get to live on is is 770 let's just say 775 for the sake of conversation that's that's what a person who's never worked who is unable to work due to permanent disability um that's that's the amount that they get for month for month is 775 bucks so put that in a little perspective stew on that for a minute someone who has worked and has built up work credits is gets and then and then declares disability permanent disability can usually qualify for supplemental security disability income ssdi and that can range anywhere from um i'm going to say somewhere in the ballpark of 12 to 1300 a month to 17 or 1800 a month depending on disability and depending on how many disabilities so you can declare more than one disability, including a physical disability and a mental illness. So, and that person can ultimately qualify for Medicare. Um, Even before the age of 65, they can qualify for Medicare. Um, Now, um, so perspective all of that for a second, that this is this, this is this person's monthly income. Okay. If you are on SSI, supplemental security income and you earn any income whatsoever any a dollar ten dollars okay that's you creating income that means that you don't need to be on the system anymore even if you just did a job and you earned 10 bucks all right that means you cannot work part-time you cannot work intermittently you can't do a paid internship none of that or the, that, that's it. You're done. They'll cut you off the system. And I, maybe I should actually like precursor all of this to be like, I get that some people agree with the system and support it and think that it's all necessary. And I get that there are people who take advantage of the system. I am not discounting or discrediting any of that. I'm simply stating personal experiences of myself and other people. Um, okay. So you go to work, you maybe work like a six week temporary job or something like that. And you get, you get paid for that job. Boom. That's it. You're, you're, you're done with the system. They will determine that you're able to work. Um, and you probably are able to work and this leads into a whole nother topic, but I'll talk about the employment system in a second. But, um, but then that job is done, right? Cause it was a temporary thing. And now you've got to, we, you know, you got to get back into the system and explain to the, to the system that you were able only to work for six weeks or it was a temporary thing or, 
you were well for a month or two, but now you're not because there are some disabilities that are extremely inconsistent. Um, so SSI, you can't, you cannot earn anything. Um, if you earn, then you're, you're done. They're going to audit your account and you're done. SSDI, Supplemental Security Disability Income, you can work and equal the amount of your payment or less per month, but you cannot earn over the amount. Now, this does leave a little flexibility. This is great um, because it does allow somebody to work part-time um, with adjusted hours and things like that. And there are such jobs available, you know, less than 40 hours a week type jobs. Um, so a person can work, you know, part-time and earn, um, you know, minimal income and, and maintain their, um, disability, their disability payments. Okay. So, um, so that one, that one gives you a little bit of leeway. SSI gives you nothing. There's no incentive to go to work when you feel good. There's, there's nothing. Okay. Um, okay. So that's, oh, and so then let me also talk about spousal, um, sort of things. What I kind of came to the conclusion of when I was asking friends, like their thoughts on this was the system is, has no, uh, it really discourages people from getting married, um, period. Cause so if you are somebody who's been permanently disabled their whole life and you get married, you get zilch, nothing, because your spouse's income is, tech, is, is, is counted as yours and you are not eligible for any sort of, any sort of payment. Now, I realize that you're like, okay, but that, that's fair. It is to a point, okay, it is to a point. It does not give a person who's permanently disabled any sort of money of their own. And here's the worst part I feel like I feel like about that particular equation is if the person ends up being in an abusive situation or domestic violence situation, um, they can't get out of it because they're not able to go get, you know, they can't get assistance. Because anytime they get assistance, their spouse's money is going to count as their money, even if they're trying to save themselves and get out of a domestic violence situation. Okay. I'm going to tell you a story. Like, this is exactly why I couldn't go to court to get a restraining order from my ex um, until December 2nd, because December 1st was when he got his money and I needed his money to pay the rent. So I couldn't go that that first I had to wait until the second to get his money so I could pay the rent actually I had to pay the rent and then buy a shitload of groceries and <laughs> then I went to court <laughs> so and by the next month I had another roommate and that was all play it was all pre-planned before I took any action because I couldn't take any action right because if I would have taken action I wouldn't have been able to pay my rent or buy groceries had I taken action without planning ahead how, how was I going to get the restraining order and get him removed and have a new roommate lined up to pay, help pay the bills, right? This is what I'm talking about, okay? So if someone's in a domestic violence situation, they, they have to plan. And maybe they can plan and maybe they can't. I luckily had a huge support network and I was able to and, 
and and I was able to get out of mine but not not every person with a disability a lot of people with disabilities get trapped in abusive domestic violence situations because they just financially cannot get out of it and they probably don't have the support because if you know anything about abuse abusers take away your support network they don't want you to talk to anybody so um so there's that factor and that's the part that I that I disturbingly don't like about the system is that a lot of a lot of people with disabilities get trapped in violence or neglect situations because the people that they're with take advantage of the situation. So um and they know they can because they know they got the money and they they can control it. So, um, and then also, um, there, I I had some conversations about, um, and I don't, we're not so familiar with this particular topic, obviously, because I've not, I've never been married, so I haven't had a spouse die, but, um, apparently if your spouse dies, um, you know, before you're 65 and you become disabled, um, there is a lot of red tape and quirkiness about how that spouse is able to get their money or get their spouse's money or both, like basically you lose, you lose one end or the other, right? So, um, so there's some trickiness there. That's why I say the system sort of discourages marriage because there are a lot of, a lot of things in the, that get in the way when someone decides to get married. So you will see a lot of people with disabilities that don't get married because they don't want to deal with that. They don't want to lose their income. So, um, so that's kind of the lowdown on social security. Now let me go state by state. Now, I don't have a lot of experience with a lot of different states. I have experience with Illinois, California, um, and that is it. Um, So I was in Michigan briefly, but I didn't really switch to their system. I just went to grad school, so that doesn't really count. And I'm not in the system here in Arizona. Um, So Illinois and California. So here's the thing about state voc rehab, vocation rehabilitation. Um, this is rehabilitation to get you employed or to get you to a vocation. Um, and it's designed to work with people with various disabilities, learning disabilities, physical disabilities, blind and visually impaired, um, et cetera. It is designed to get you the skills or education or whatever it is you need to be employed. Um, in most cases, they are trying to fill their quota. So basically they don't really care how or what you want to do to earn a living. They just want you to be employed. And that means that in most cases they won't pursue anything outside of the realm of go to college, get a degree and get a job. Um, there's not much in the way of, you know, encouraging trade schools like, um, uh, electrical engineering. I believe there's some sort of trade program, um, massage therapy, um, you know, things like that trade programs that can get you through a one or two year program and then get you employed if, if less than that, like maybe like six months or whatever. Um, so there's no support there there's not a lot of support around entrepreneurship or direct sales or flexible work um, or anything like that. Now, California is the exception there, and I will toot California's horn for this. They do have an entrepreneurial 
track where you can develop your own business plan and have it approved by a third-party corporation. Um, and then the state will indeed support you. And I was able to get a lot of support in the state of California for being an entrepreneur. So kudos to California there. Um, but, you know, Illinois and other states, no, not, not so much. And, and it's kind of funny, like, you know, they don't encourage direct sales, um, you know, like Avon, Amway, uh, Beachbody, um, doTERRA, I can name a ton of others, um, as far as direct sales go, you know, they don't encourage that, which like, that would be ideal because these are people, we're talking about people with disabilities. They do need, you know, some flexible work and direct sales would be damn near perfect for that. Um, so you're probably like, well, why don't they, you know, do the thing? Well, here's the thing. So voc rehab counselors, there is, there are actual college master level, master degree level programs for vocation rehabilitation counseling. Okay. However, in my experience, most of the voc rehab counselors that I worked with did not have such training because they have to have a graduate degree or because the, the, um, the voc rehab is a graduate level program. These people are being hired by the state pays, takes more money to pay a master level employee than it does a Joe Schmo off the street. You want to be a rehab counselor? Sure. Okay. Here, sign here. Okay. (laughs) I'm being a bit facetious, but not really because I don't know. I mean, I remember voc rehab counselors back in college who didn't have a clue about half of the devices available to blindness and blind and low vision. Um, or, you know, not being, having the option to choose what kind of technology I wanted. Um, they had it that I should use a screen reader software and I am not a regular screen reader user. I'm a part-time screen reader user. Um, I know I'm talking gibberish to a lot of people, but my point in saying all of this is like, nobody understood what I was asking for. So they just gave me things they thought would be useful, even if they weren't useful. Till I went to California. Like again, I said, I get to toot California's horn here because their state rehab services were pretty amazing for me. So, um, when I did get back into the voc rehab system in Illinois after being unemployed for several years and business not taking off and really needing to like create some income, um, I was living in Chicago and more or less they sent the Chicago Voc Rehab um, sent their clients to um, a nonprofit who subsequently employed all of these people to work in call centers. It was the biggest revolving door I've ever seen in my life because working in a call center, as I'm sure you can imagine, is not fun. Not fun at all. Um, and I did work in a call center for um, a year. I think it was a little over a year I worked there. Um, and my um, manager, I think, and I agreed to part ways amicably. Um, <laughs> so, um, so, yeah, so that's, 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 so the state doesn't really want you to do things that, you, that would be interesting to you. They really just want to close your case so they can say you're employed. Um, which could be good, could be bad. Like I said, most people with disabilities don't really want to. Most of us can't work full time. 
Um, I physically can't work full time. I physically cannot do 40 hours a week. Um, it's too much for me. It's too much for my system. It's too much for my body. It's too much for my eyes or I, um, to work full time. Most people who have any sort of like pain or mental illness or, um, anything like that, they can't work full time. They really can't work full time. Um, some of them can only work maybe a couple of days a week, if that. So, um, it, that's got, that kind of shit's not taken into consideration whatsoever. It's either you work full time or you don't work at all. And okay. So now this is where I'm going to dive into the employment system and how it's structured and what I think could actually improve the system. So I think I truly 100% in my soul, heart and soul, I believe that every single human being is here for a purpose and has skills, talents, and gifts to contribute to society. Okay. So I believe everyone's here to, to, to bring something to the community at which they live or contribute to or whatever. Okay. So in my opinion, the employment structure is the, is actually the problem. Because we expect people to work themselves to death, literally. Okay? Um, Because we could have flexible employment for people who could work one or two days a week. And give them, you know, give them something in some way to contribute to society. And of course you're like, well, yeah, but then that person can't show up consistently and there's that problem. Okay, then you have a list of those employees who you can call, like substitute teaching kind of systematically system, you know, where you've got like people you can call to say, hey, you know, so-and-so is not able to come in. Are you able to come in? And you go on to the next person. Okay. There is a way I believe I in my heart and soul I believe there is a way that every single person can be somehow employed and creating income for themselves because think about it this way here's some other factors for you if you're someone on disability income which is bigger a a more a, a bigger payment than SSI okay um you have like utility assistance programs that are usually within the state. Um, most of the time, people who are on disability income do not qualify. They're not eligible for utility assistance. Now, if you live in somewhere like Chicago or Midwest or anywhere like that, where your electric bill in the wintertime is, you know, upwards of three to $500 because heat. <laughs> okay. These people don't qualify for um, utility assistance. And I'm telling you, it's usually they don't qualify by a minuscule amount, like under 50 bucks. They earn $50 more than the eligibility limitation. Now, again, I get it. There needs to be limitations. But think about if you live in Chicago you know, cheapest rent you're going to get is probably somewhere in the neighborhood of seven, you know, eight to 900. It's if you're lucky. So if your income is, let's just throw a number 1400 and your rent 
is 900, that leaving you 500, you still need things like a phone, you still need things like food. Maybe you're on medication, probably are. If you're if you have a disability, you probably have medication. You may or may not be on Medicare to get the prescription coverage. Um and then you've got this 800, you know, 500, 300 to 500 a month utility bill. And you cannot get assistance for it because you make $45 more than the, um, the qualification limitation. So it only takes into account your income. They look at your income sheet and say, nope, you don't qualify. Sorry. So there's that piece of the puzzle that if that person could then go to work part-time and earn and you know a couple hundred a month maybe the amount of money it would take to cover that electric bill if they could work part-time flexibly um, to earn that income without having to overexert themselves causing usually what happens with people with disabilities if they overexert themselves it usually causes a catastrophic chain of events within their system that they can't kind of they can't really rein in on if that makes sense Okay, so somebody who has fibromyalgia, for example, if they go to work and they overexert, that could put them out for days, if not weeks, between the pain and the mental and all of the things that go along with it, right? You overexert somebody who has um, sensitive eye condition, myself, right? Eventually I'm going to burn out if I have to, you, you know, look at the computer screen too long or, you know, whatever it is I'm, I'm supposed to do on the job. Um, you know, I can overexert and it can actually, you know, be like my weekends then become my recovery from doing the job. So I don't actually get to do anything socially or, you know, health wise or whatever. Okay. So it becomes compromised to care for themselves, to care for the person, for their disability, because they're now burned out from doing this job. Is all of this like making sense? So if we, you know, happen to have some sort of like, you know, assisted employee or flexible employment program for people to go to work, make some extra money. And by the way, God forbid you want, they want to save or do anything special like buy clothes or shoes or whatever, or devices for their disability. Um, you know, that, that, that becomes tricky because you can't really have assets on these, on these programs. And you, so therefore you can't save money because that, that counts against you. So, um, so I hope this comes across, I hope this comes across as like, this is the system and you know, I'm thankful for it. And I think everyone who has received from the system is really thankful that it's there, you know, when, when, when things happen, when there is a disability. Um, but I also think that there is definitely room for improvement. I definitely think that, you know, if rehab counselors were more of like, you know, leadership coach or life coach, I mean, all I want for my clients is to be happy and healthy. Right. And whatever they, you know, and whatever they want for themselves. Maybe they do want to work part time. Maybe they want to, maybe they want to blog. Maybe they want to do a YouTube channel, whatever it is that, that serves them, that supports them. 
you know, I'm there to, I'm there to, to serve them and support them in making that happen. So, um, you know, there's structures in place that are to help us be employed, but they, they aren't as effective as, you know, it may seem. Um, a lot of that's also been compromised by the current circumstances because a lot of people can't, you know, if they do have a new disability, they're having, you know, they, they have difficulty getting the support they need to, to learn skills and, and, and things like that. You know, if they need technology skills, right? So anyway, um, I really think there's, there's a room for improvement. I think that you know, we could all work together as a collective and not just rely on this government system to make it happen. Um, I think that we could, you know, work together, help each other out. We do have things like TaskRabbit and we have things like, you know, that are available. And if we, um, nextdoor.com comes to mind, it's like a neighborhood, uh, website comes to mind, you know, Craigslist, but it's kind of shady and shitty. Um, but things like that, where we can reach out and be like, Hey, you know, I know you're not, I know you don't have, you know, I know you don't have a job, but would you like to make some extra money doing a thing for me, doing a task for me or whatever, right? Maybe you, you, I don't know. I don't know what that task would be off the top of my head. Nothing's coming to me. Building furniture. Like I would love to be paid to build furniture like Ikea furniture. Oh my God. Y'all, that's my nerd brain. (laughs) I love building furniture. Um, I actually love doing hardware things cause it's just fun. And I like literally like, I pretty much do it without looking at the actual things. I just like, so it's something I can do like tactily, um, you know, putting together furniture. Maybe you need somebody to, um, do your laundry because you're busy with your thing. Maybe you need somebody to, um, I don't know. I have no idea. I mean, I have lots of thoughts coming to my head, but like, obviously a person who's blind isn't going to go do your grocery shopping. (laughs) Um, but you know, maybe the person who's blind is going to cook your food for you, right? Um, meal prep for you. Um, so there's lots of things that can be done. Um, you know, lots of tasks. Um, I do know somebody who does eBay. She does thrifting on eBay. Um, and in order to generate a little bit of extra money for herself and her kid, Um, I know some people who are starting blogs, some people who are doing audio stuff. Patreon is becoming a thing for creatives, um, et cetera, podcasting, like what I'm doing right here. So, and those don't generate income directly, but it does get information out there. So I hope that you found this helpful. I hope you got something from it. I really would love feedback. I would love for you to share this. I would love to get the word out about how the system works currently and, uh, you know, start generating conversations around how we can make it go differently. One of the things that I am been super present to over the last year of this craziness that we're dealing with is how dependent we are on the government and how we're like almost victim to it. You know, they've got this like reign of control on us and they have then the power to yank the rug out from underneath us and really fuck us over. And that's the way they want it, I feel like. Um, but that's not the way I want it. And I don't think that's the way you want it for your friends. So to all my friends out there who've always supported me in some way, shape or form, I thank you. I send you a heart, heart, heartfelt gratitude 
and love. I really appreciate everyone who has supported me over the years doing the crazy shit that I do. (laughs) All right. Um, the Patreon program is available to you, patreon.com slash divinely you. You can support the podcast, uh, paypal.me slash divinely you, Sarah W. I'll link it in the comments cause I think that's it, but I don't know for sure. Um, and let's see, please rate the podcast. Um, find us on, find me on Eventbrite. Um, you can find the events there. I'm hosting two workshops a month right now. The Saturday workshop is going to be all about cooking and meal prep 101. So if you're, you know, if you're like, oh, I don't even know where to start with meal prep. Let's talk about it on Saturday. Um, thanks so much for tuning in. I really appreciate it. I, I really appreciate you taking time to listen to this one. This was kind of a long one for me. Um, but I really wanted to get this info out there and, um, um, you know, really get, the message out that, that, you know, this really is a thing, um, for a lot of people. So thanks so much. Uh, you've been listening to the Divinely You podcast. I really appreciate you. Uh, again, my name is Sarah Waggle. Have a great day. I send you a ton of love and, and blessings and all of the things. Have a good day.